listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 This is Straight Out of Vegas with the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I doubt the future. I doubt the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. I tell you, I think I've got a Monday night football opinion different than many Certainly different than Colin Cowherd right here in FSR. I actually kind of disagree with his take, and we'll get right to it. Sports bettors listen for the money. Sports fans listen to no more than their buddies. He's the fan who beats the man in studio, A.J. Hoffman. Thank you, R.J. Great to be here on a day where COVID rampages through the NFL, causing some major line shifts. The Rams get a big Monday night football win before their outbreak. And Steph Curry, two three-pointers away from making history at Madison Square Garden tonight. What is the Vegas lead? Let's get into Monday night football first. And I want to hear your take after the setup, because I think mine might just be different. The Los Angeles Rams get their biggest win of the year, 30-23 to over the Arizona Cardinals, covering as three-point underdogs. My, my biggest takeaways were this was the worst game of the season for Kyler Murray, uh, and I think a lot of it was the defensive front for the Rams is really starting to come together. You're starting to see the impact of trading for Von Miller. Aaron Donald had his best game of the year. And when you look at Aaron Donald, Von Miller, uh, Leonard Floyd, who had an interception, the the front for the Rams was just dominant last night, something that we've kind of been expecting to see since they brought in Von Miller. And this was on a night where they really needed it, where the secondary was banged up. They were short, you know, their best cornerback. The defensive front really made hay against Arizona. Okay, so it's important for me to realize, and I think everyone that's trying to analytically, or let's just say accurately assess sports, if you're better, if you're a fan, is it's usually not going to be all of one thing or all of the other. So let's acknowledge the Rams, from my perspective, this is a team that is supposed to trend upward, trend upward throughout the season. Why? Because they have a new defensive coordinator, which takes some time. Even though the coordinator is attempting to apply the Staley concepts from last year, it's still a new coach. Number two, they have a new quarterback. And even if that's an upgrade, that's supposed to get better throughout the season. They have a new wide receiver too, OBJ, with Woods out. And they've got a new key D rush edge with Von Miller. And the Von Miller and OBJ obviously came midseason. So the idea that this team is getting better and it might just not be luck, it might not just be random, but hey, they're supposed to get better, I think is true. And thus for them to play such a good game late in the year is a good sign. Right? So no doubt. Let me ask you this question though. You talk about this outstanding game. Um First downs won by Arizona. 
Yardage won by Arizona, 91 yards additional, two turnovers for Arizona, meaning minus two. One of our basic tenants, one of our basic premises is that turnovers have a lot of randomness to them. And thus, if you are down two turnovers, it's going to be hard to win the game, all things equal. And then the secret hidden stat, I think, AJ, is two turnovers on downs. And what we're going to have to get used to talking about and be conversant in is looking at turnovers on downs now that so many teams are going for fourth downs almost as a turnover. It's called turnover on downs. It's saying we're giving you the ball exactly where we snapped it last. And we know that analytics tells us that going for for more fourth downs is a good thing, but no one ever said that it was always a good thing, right? So in this case, when you're 0 for 2 in that regard, or when you have the two turnovers on downs, that now is four times the ball was handed to the Rams that wasn't a punt, that wasn't a kickoff. That was a, you know, catastrophe is what turnovers are. I'm not sure how we can look at a final of seven points, 30 to 23, in which Arizona outgained them, out first downed them, and act like the Rams, as Colin is purporting, having a dominant victory. I would say what seemed dominant to me was the fact. I, you, I mean, I agree with you. Interceptions do have, or, or turnovers in general, have a lot of luck factor. But both those interceptions were caused because Kyler Murray could not stay clean in the pocket. So, so, so now we're we're literally going to be assessing each individual turnover by how lucky it felt. I mean, boy, what about the turnovers that don't happen? Do we count? The, I mean, it's like it's, I'm not saying you can't do that, but man, it is a comprehensive. Like one thing I tend to do is look at Pro Football Focus, and they've got their turnover-worthy plays, right? So they're saying there's this number of plays that were worthy of generating a turnover for the quarterback, let's say. And now, if you look at the actual number of turnovers. You can say how lucky or unlucky were they. So there might be a guy that had three turnover-worthy plays but had no turnovers. Well, he got lucky for no turnovers. There might be someone that had no turnover-worthy plays but two turnovers. In the long run, that tends to even out. In any given game, it doesn't. So, I mean, if we want to say the Rams earned the turnovers, mm, I think we're getting on shaky. It feels very narrative-driven to me. Tyler had four turnover-worthy plays in that game. Gave it away twice. Okay, so and and, and I mean that is a, a significant number, and it's very reasonable to say, hey, that that that, that is a sign of the Rams, or was it? A, but was it, or of their effectiveness, or is it a sign of Kyler having a bad game? It could be both, but Kyler's only had one game. He hasn't had a game this season over one turnover-worthy play until that game where he had four. Wow, now, so, where'd you pull that stat from? I've got researchers here doing no, all the No, I'm just the saying, scenes. where did you pull Because that seems like it's just so on point right now, and that's unlike you. <laughs> How, explain to me the mechanics of that. Uh, McKenzie, put it on my screen. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's pretty <laughs> strong. All right, so not one game. So let's say that one more time. Kyler Murray had zero games coming in this game Monday night in which he had more than one turnover-worthy play. Yes. And he had four of them last night. Yes. So is that him having a bad game, or is that the Rams looking so good? 
It's entirely possible that he just had a bad game, of course, but I, I think he's in the best A bad game in which he outgained the opponent by 91 yards. Well, sure, they were chasing the, the entire well, game. Were I mean, they? they? I mean, well, yeah. well, this is what I don't understand. The Rams were never up by more than 10 points, were they? They were up by 14 going into the fourth quarter. Okay, so so if you look at the our new drive charts, which haven't been released to the public yet, and we look at the margin throughout the game, what would you say would be the average margin throughout the game? It's probably about seven, ten points. Yeah, I mean, what I'm saying is there might there was a flash of time the Rams were up by 14, but the average, if let's say we started the second quarter on and said every minute, let's see what the score was, the margin, and let's take an average. The average has been around a seven-point lead for the so chasing the whole game where the Rams are in prevent. That's just wasn't what it was. The Rams, when you're up 10 most of the game or some of the game, you're not in prevent. Okay, you're you're right. I mean, the fact that the Cardinals could keep scoring and keep the game close when they had – and by the way, when they gave the ball over on downs, it was deep in the – I mean, the the if you actually look at the interceptions and you look at the turnover on downs, a majority of them were after like 50, 60-yard drives. So it's like the Cardinals were really successful. If they would have just kicked field goals in all four cases, I mean, just do the math instead of the turn. Now, obviously, that wasn't – you can't know for sure when you're going to turn the ball over. And thus you could say, well, why not kick field goals when you end up scoring a touchdown? I'm not making the case the Rams shouldn't have won. I'm making the case that this felt like a coin flip game except for the fact of the four turnovers on – I mean, the Rams had zero turnovers on downs. The Rams had zero interceptions, zero fumbles. So when you have zero on one side and four on the other, two interceptions, two turnovers on downs, and multiple ones of those, and McKenzie, why don't you pull up, I don't have the drive chart right in front of me, is the two or three of those four losses of the ball, at least two of them were after a long drive. You have that in front of you? No, one second. All right, but also second. remember, the, the Rams didn't. They never went for it on fourth down. They never felt like they were in the situation. The, the Cardinals went for it four times on fourth down. Okay, so I mean that, that's kind of the point is that when you have teams that are playing this high variance game, sometimes it goes with you, sometimes it goes against you. Now your point would be two out of four. No, but the ones that they made, how long were was it? Fourth and ones? Was it fourth? And, this is this is the real challenge of the NFL in 2021. No one or hardly anyone, and I'm yet not, I'm not prepared to fully understand how to integrate this into the analysis. I know you can't ignore it, right? You cannot ignore when teams are – look at the uh, Chargers. When they make their first downs on these fourth down efforts, they dominate sometimes. Other times they lose a game badly. Why? Because of a couple of fourth down decisions. The variance in these games, the, the, the distance between the winners and losers are going to go up as teams increase the variance of their play through going forward on fourth down. The theory is in the long run it's an advantage for the team going for it. I'm not sure I always agree with that, but at least the math, as they are calculating it, and that's important to realize, the math says it is better. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Let's talk about that, <laughs> that, that New England line move. So the look-ahead line, that's the line that's a week before the game. 
And in theory, what happens in the interim is another week of games are played. So let's say it's uh, this uh, today's Tuesday. Let's say today, if not tomorrow, the line comes out not for this Sunday's games, but next Sunday's games. The look ahead. Now, what what use is that? One, you can get down a week early if you really like something, but two, you get to see how that week's games affect things. So imagine the lines pick them, and then it's like, hmm. One team does really well that weekend. One team does poorly. All of a sudden, the team that did well are laying two, two and a half the next week. You can say two and a half points. That was the delta. That was the difference that this week's games caused. Now, it's not always perfectly that, but it almost is pretty close to it most of the time. But here we have a very curious situation. The Pats had a bye. The Colts, who play the Pats, host them, had a bye. So nothing's happened since last week. Last week, the line opened up the Patriots on the road, favored by two and a half. At the end of the betting last week, so before this week's games, the line had moved to pick them. So the early money was on the Colts from two and a half down to pick them. Then when it opened up this week, because it's this week's games on Sunday night, it opened up for next week. It's gone now up from then from pick them to two and a half. So two and a half point favorite the Pats were. Now they're two and a half point underdogs. And you know what we know? Home field advantage is about two and a half points. Two, two and a half. I think Colts get two and a half for sure. They have a good home field. So you're saying the Colts are equal in strength to the Patriots. Because really there's not any situational advantage. The Pats need this game. To keep their division lead, uh, they're going for the number one seed. Colts needed to make the playoffs. They're both motivated. They're both off a bye. There hasn't been major injury news. The way I see it, this is about as pure of a matchup as you can get, where the line tells you the strength of the teams, and the Vegas market is saying the Indy Colts are equal to the Patriots. AJ, does that sit? How does that sit with you? It doesn't. And I, I thought, well, maybe the the Patriots, because they've got a look ahead game against the Bills, maybe that was a, a a reason for it. But then I looked at the Colts, and the Colts play the Cardinals coming up next, so it's not like they've got a gimme ahead either. Straight out of Vegas. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Let's take a look at the line progressions where three games on the board have moved two points or more in the last 24 hours. Yeah, so wrapping up the Colts move, and then we'll get to the COVID moves, and then we'll get to the Steph Curry record attempt tonight and how the market has moved with his uh, required threes to break the record. It's very interesting. I think the reason the Colts right now are considered an equal team in this matchup against the Patriots, favored the Colts at home by two and a half, has a lot to do with they've won seven of their last ten games, and most of those wins is not all convincing, you would make the case. But there are losses. Remember the Monday night game against Baltimore. They lost that game, but, man, they were leading that game the whole game. right? That felt like one they should have won. They lost by three to the Titans, a game that they had turnovers late. They could have, should have won, could have, should have. And then even the Tampa Bay Bucks game at home, they lost by seven, but it was tied with, you know, what, less than two minutes left? Less they, than 30 seconds left. Yeah, less than 30. They could have won that game. So we're, they're not supposed to win all of those games. 
But the way the betting market typically does is say, hey, if it's a coin flip game, we'll give you half a win. And if you win conventionally, you get a whole win. Now, what we do is we look at win shares, right? So we look at the fourth quarter at pregame.com and say, if you take every snap of the ball and log what the chance to win the game was based on the NFL's algorithm and then average it out with the weight, though, towards later in the quarter being more important, that is very telling. Mackenzie, what was our what was the Colts win share in these three games? The Baltimore game, the Tennessee game, and the Tampa Bay game. Well, the, they're the third most unlucky team by this metric. In those games, they had a 21 share versus the Tampa Bay Bucks. Versus the Ravens, they had a 62 share, so they should have won <laughs> that game. And against the Titans, they had a 42 coin okay. type game. So 62, 42, 21, it's about, you know, you add it up, it's about 125 over the three games. So in theory, they had 1.25 wins in those three games. The fact that Correct. they went 0-3 in those games speaks to why the Colts are better than their record, not to mention losing their first three games. The Colts have historically started slow, and they had a new quarterback. So they got six total losses, three early, and then three in the prior ten games. And the three in the prior ten, the Bucks game, they obviously were not supposed to win, but they had a pretty healthy win share even in that game. The other two were coin flips. You sh- should win at least one of those. So it makes sense the Colts are – uh, better than their record. AJ, let's quickly talk about the Browns and uh, the Rams. Just tell us what the line move has been based on COVID. Browns yesterday were minus six against the Raiders. Today they are minus three against the Raiders, and that's at home. And that's a COVID move, it looks like. And then also the Rams. The Rams were seven-point favorites even as of today, uh, now five-point favorites with the COVID news. So OBJ and the other players, and remember, whenever they have these COVID moves, it's both the players announced, but it's also, especially this early in the week, fear that it might spread. There's a chance it's going to get wide, widespread, and if so, obviously you'd want to have the opponent. Let's talk quickly to end the show about Steph Curry going for the three-point record Last Wednesday, I sent an email to the team, and I said, look at this. Curry's talking about getting, I think it was, what, 15 or 16 threes in a game to try to break (laughs) this record at home. How did the market react? Well, his over-under for threes up to that point averaged about five and a half per game. Curry. It went to six and a half for that next game when he was talking, hey, I could get a lot of these. The game after that, it stayed at six and a half, and now – he only needs two to break it tonight. It's back to the season average of five and a half. So it really goes to show you the market listens to what the players say. They think about motivation and they thought Curry would be extra motivated those games and his three pointers went up here. He's back to normal motivation because after he makes the the two, is he going to shoot as much as usual? I don't know. The line is five and a half over under for threes for Steph Curry.